This episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast is sponsored by Mr. B, the only potato chip made in the great state of West Virginia. Check out their products in your local grocery store or online at mrb.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Mountaineer Media Podcast. We have been away for a little bit, but we are back and ready to hit it hard over the next couple of months. Uh, Today, we have a a phenomenal guest, Dr. Michelle Foster. She's with the Greater Kanawha Valley Foundation. She's the president and CEO, and we get into her phenomenal work, very philanthropic attitude that she has towards living life and some of the goals and uh, the past, present, and future of not just the foundation, but we really get into some of what inspired her to go into this philanthropic lifestyle that she lives now. And so it's a, a great episode. Stick around for that. But uh, Cooper, buddy, what is going on? It feels like it's been forever since we've been on a podcast, but we've been together. Actually, we saw each other in person not too long ago. Which is, uh, <laughs> good, because we don't always get to do that. <laughs> It is true. We are in a remote relationship. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> For the most part. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, it was good to be back on the podcast game. I feel like I honestly forgot how to do it a little bit, but we got back into it with Michelle. <laughs> Turn on the microphone, hit the yeah. camera button, record, <laughs> you know, you just it's like yeah. riding a bike. You forget until you start doing it again. It is. But yeah, yeah. I mean, to, Michelle was great. I think you guys are going to enjoy this episode. You, you think about like the movers and shakers of West Virginia. Like it's sometimes yeah. the people that are a little bit behind the scenes. You know, they're not their name is not the politician name. They're not on the billboard. But you start thinking about like, wait a second, they empower this and they help run that. And that they're the president of this. And like, I mean, if we I joke about it with Michelle on the podcast, I think maybe we'll put it up on social media. If you look at the amount of things that she's the chair of and that she's been honored with, like it's it's mind blowing. I mean, hundreds of of different positions and honors and in all amazing work. And she's dedicated the majority of her life to the, the greater Kanawha Valley, which she's the president of. Um, so we learn about her story, her history. She came to America. We won't spoil it all, but yeah, phenomenal episode. But yeah, we've been we've been doing different stuff. We, we took two weeks off. Mason is getting married. Everybody, I don't know if we've mentioned Ooh. it. Yeah, I don't know if we. We need the sound effects. Can we work on getting a soundboard to where we just hit Cue like sound. a button? Yeah, <laughs> it's like a crowd applause or like wedding bells or something. Mason Jack's getting married. So in honor of that, we all he- uh, we all headed up to the Poconos Mountains. Which call is- it what it is, man. We got. Outrageous at a bachelor party. No, we we didn't rage, but we had a good time. Yeah, went to the Poconos for a bachelor party, and we all got together, and it was a good time. Great time. We played paintball, which I don't know if you've anybody. I don't know if West Virginia has a true large scale paintball facility. If we don't, that's something that I mean, talk about an experience, DJ. I mean, we're in the woods. We're we're on teams. We're like we're shooting each other. We're shooting on. You know, we're communicating. We're we're getting hit. Like I think that would. Now that I think about it, that would thrive in West Virginia. Well, we had like, we we did also go to the the largest paintball facility in the world. In the world. So that that right. is like the comparison, like the best of the best to like having nothing. But I agree, West Virginia does have the terrain to have a great paintball facility yeah. atmosphere. Right. It's because you're kind of hiding behind trees. You throw some. Uh, you know, just, I, I don't know, the, the, the layout was cool. They had so many different maps. It was like 50 maps, basically, it's different uh, terrains. And anyway, it, it was uh, pretty sweet. Definitely worth investing in in West Virginia. It does make sense. But uh, not all was well. Mason did come down with COVID when he got back. 
and so he survived is happily, the whole trip. Survived he, the whole he trip, survived the whole trip as we all did. He was right. the only one that got COVID. So we do, we can report now that Mason Jack is on the mend. He's on the back end of the COVID. I think he's feeling better than ever now. So uh, he's happy and healthy. We're glad to hear that uh, he's he's he survived the bachelor party and COVID all within the same week. So that is a plus gold star. So congrats to Mason and uh, his soon to be wife, Reagan. You guys are awesome. So we got the wedding in a couple of months, so we'll, we'll party it up then too. Anyway, uh, Cooper, a couple of other side notes to, to go over. We've got a couple of, of one event coming up and one that we've been talking about for several months now. And if it's not on your radar yet, you need to, but let's start with, the Mountaineer Media sponsored happy hour that we were having in Charleston at Fife Street Brewing. So we are going to have a great time. We are sponsoring uh, just a, a night. It's going to be Mountaineer Media night at Fife Street Brewing, more or less. And so uh, come on down September 28th at 5 p.m. At 5 p.m. from 5 to 7, September 28th, we're going to be at Fife Street Drinking, having a good time, kicking back, networking with other West Virginians, and really just supporting a small business at the same time. Five Street's one of the, the coolest new breweries and bars in the state of West Virginia, and if you haven't checked it out, you definitely need to do so. And what better way to do it, or what, what better way to time and time to do it than come on and see us and hang out with us. So I think that's probably the best option there. Anyway, September 28th at 5 p.m., we're going to be there, and then... Uh, you can actually sign up online at uh, mountaineermedia.org, and the first 50 people to RSVP are going to get their first drink on us. So there's plenty of room to go do that. So go do that. Yeah, jump on there, guys. I mean, yeah, like you said, meet us, hang out, you know, check out a small business. But uh, yeah, the first 50 people to do it, I think there's like 27. So there's still plenty of room to get your first drink paid for by Mountaineer Media. Uh, they've got some good beer there at Fife. So yeah, we're excited for that. Go to mountaineermedia.org, get signed up, come hang out. Um, and I think that's just an evolution of CJ, what we are eventually going to keep doing with Mountaineer Media. So if if this event goes well, we hope it does. Um, I think maybe we'll pop up in different parts of West Virginia. Maybe we'll be down in Beckley. Maybe we'll be up in Morgantown. Maybe we'll come over to the Panhandles um, and do these live events and really try to promote uh, small businesses. Because as you guys know, that's kind of core to what we, we want to promote here is investing back in the mountain state with other people that are investing in the mountain state um that's that's going to be a little event but also the biggest event like cj said we've been talking about it uh and we're going to continue to keep talking about it and that's the almost heaven classic and the almost heaven classic for those that are first learning about this that's presented by star usa federal credit union this is a two-day event i'll give you the short it's a two-day event next summer june 9th and 10th in canaan valley friday live podcast west virginia representation small business guest speakers craft beer we love craft beer if you haven't cut on um that event come to it hang out you don't have to be involved in the saturday events to do that that's going to be on friday june 9th saturday the 10th massive golf tournament we're going to have a super fun cash prizes free giveaways different you know food and drinks swag bags from our sponsors that's going to be a fun tournament on that saturday which is right there in canaan at the canaan valley course you can come to both you can come to either one individually what you can do right now is join the priority list that's going to get you advanced notice when tickets do go on sale so that's important to remember that the priority list gets you a head start when registration 
registration opens, to enter your golf team, to buy a ticket for Friday, joining that email list on mountaineermedia.org. You're going to get the first information when we put that out, probably mid-October. Uh, we'll work on the details of that here in the next couple of weeks, but join that list, be involved. There's still some sponsorships available. And CJ, I think this is going to be one of the funnest events. Selfishly, I think it's going to be one of the funnest events in West Virginia next summer. Yeah, I think so too. So you got Five Street coming up in September, September 28th. And then you've got the Almost Heaven Classic, June 9th and 10th, Friday night, the networking event. Saturday morning is the golf outing. So you won't want to miss any of those events. Like Cooper said, you can go over to mountaineermedia.org for all of that information. So, all right, without further ado, thank you for listening to us catch back up after our two-week hiatus here. But let's get to this episode with Dr. Michelle Foster. Hit it. does not always shine in West Virginia, but the people always do. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Mountaineer Media Podcast. Dr. Michelle Foster, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. How are you? We are Wonderful. fantastic. See you yeah. What's up, man? Not too much. Not too much, Coop. Welcome. Yeah, we took a, we've took we had two weeks off here of the podcast. We're excited to get back here with you, uh, Dr. Foster. But maybe uh, we've learned a little bit about you through social media and LinkedIn, kind of the, the connection uh, world of a lot of West Virginians. But maybe help us get up to speed and our listeners get up to speed on what exactly the Greater Kanawha Valley Foundation is. If you don't mind sharing just a little bit of the background and maybe the true scope of the organization. Yes, the Greater Canal Valley Foundation is a community foundation. And we're actually celebrating our 60th anniversary this year. And we are a philanthropic leader that really brings together donors and nonprofits who are working to strengthen our community. So we have assets that um, have, you know, have been growing these 60 years. Donors continue to trust us with their philanthropy. And we've got impactful nonprofits who are really making things happen in our state. So we fund um, and we, we focus on a six county area. So Boone, Clay, Fayette, Canal, Lincoln and Putnam. That's our target footprint. Okay. And um, we fund projects in health, education, community economic development, arts and culture and basic needs. And we also have a number of donor advised and donor designated funds that can go pretty much to any nonprofit in the country. So it's really an exciting, um, exciting world in which we live, where you know we are we are blessed as a state to have so many generous people, past and present, who have who love their their state enough that they wanted to give back to it through um, philanthropy. So that's that's the world in which I live. So it sounds like you're part of the Greater Canal Valley Foundation as part of some of the, the bigger projects that we all know about, like the Clay Center and the library. Before we get into like some of those, like the bigger ones, what are some of the other projects that have recently been worked on or, or maybe the some smaller projects that people don't know about in places like Boone and Lincoln and, and you know, that don't yeah. always get the, the headline of like Clay Center or, or library? I mean, we've got like, organizations on the west side of Charleston, Keep Your Faith Corporation, doing great work. 
Um, we in in the different counties, we've got food pantries and just people helping their their fellow man day to day. Covenant House, and we partner with the United Way in a number. And in, in some cities, it it was unusual for the Community Foundation and United Way to partner. Well, we we partner all the time with the United Way on projects. Um, West Virginia Health Right. Um, the health department, you know, uh, we had when COVID first hit, we had like a, over a million dollars dedicated to uh, the COVID response that really touched all of the health department in our foot health departments in our footprint. So it's really um, very fulfilling work. And it's just a blessing to be able to partner with, like you say, people, regular people on the ground who are making a difference in their communities. So maybe you could even get into like why do why don't other foundations partner with uh, community organizations like United Way? What where is the friction with that? Like why isn't that always I don't know. I think as they compete for donors in other communities. For example, at our annual event, we had a dinner and we had a speaker in from Columbus and he was like, "Oh, that's a new when he saw the cuz we had the United Way listed on the program um He's like, wow, <laughs> you guys are unusual. right. Because yeah. I think people in West Virginia were all working together, yeah, to make our community better, to make our people better. And we just kind of get over all that, whatever it is that they deal with in some of the other larger cities. So it's a, it's a good point, Dr. Foster, because you know, basically the way I think about it is like, or let me ask you this, like what, when you think about community development and economic growth and philanthropic dollars, you're right. I mean, sometimes it is a competitive environment. Um, but when you think about laying out like what comes first, like, is there a, a core foundational like must haves for a community or how do you, how do you all decide priority of collaboration and priority of projects? Just people who are like-minded and who share our, share similar missions. Um, but we're we're very open to partnering because we we try we don't want to be competing with with anyone else really. Um, we are blessed to be the largest community foundation, not only in West Virginia but in Central Appalachia. Wow! So um, we could right now just rest on our laurels and be fine and not raise you know just live off of what we have. But the demand is so great that we're always trying to do more and connect with more donors so that we can help to get more funding to the community. So we just look for people who are who share the you know that concern and that love for their community, and um, you know want to partner on on a project. One of the exciting projects that's really tied to some of the downtown work is our Charleston Creativity Connections. And that is really neat because it, it's a bunch of donors who came together, private, corporate, uh, family foundations coming together to put their um, resources to say, okay, we believe that we can make Charleston an exciting place where people will want to come and mm -hmm. stay and visit. And and we all work together to bring this project to, re to fruition. And we hired Brian Cooper, who's the... Charleston Creativity Connector to really work on getting more paying gigs for artists and more spaces where artists can perform. And, and just, it's really just, just an example of the collaborative efforts that we're a part of. So. And just right across the street from your office is Slack Street Plaza. Center, and yeah, yeah we, we're partnering with the city of Charleston on that. 
and, and really getting artists um, to work and really making our community an even more attractive place for people who want to work and live and play here. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so something, Michelle, that when like an entrepreneur, like, you know, flash forward and later in their career, when then they're the heyday of their career, their fifties or sixties or seventies, they always tell stories of like, I was the kid who was selling, you know, the, or the newspaper route and shoveling snow and doing different things. Like it was, something that was present early in their life that kind of led them to be that entrepreneur with community service and community development and economic development. Do you look back at your childhood and growing up and do you see elements that you were already engaged with and that interested you in this or like how, maybe my question is like, how did you become like kind of what you are now as, as the CEO of, of this great foundation? Um, I took the scenic route. <laughs> <laughs> The try everything growing around. up, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of an oddball. Um, growing first of all, I grew up in Guyana, which is in South America, the only okay. English speaking country in South America. And growing up, I always saw my grandmother, she was always taking people in, helping them, sharing food, sharing clothes. She did not that she had all of both of my sets of grandparents. Not that they had a lot, but there was this generous spirit mm. that I observed. Fast forward, we you know, immigrated when I was 17 to New York, went to school in New York, City College of New York, and got my, I always did well in math and science. So I got my undergraduate, undergraduate degree in chemical engineering. So I thought I was going to be a chemical engineer and mm -hmm. first job was in Cleveland and then um, with BP America, they were downsizing and I came, was recruited by Union Carbide. So oh, I wow. came to West Virginia to work as a chemical engineer for Union Carbide. And through volunteering at my local church, uh, Ferguson Memorial Baptist in Dunbar, something really triggered and really a light came on in my life and I found my passion. So I left engineering and ran a nonprofit, Kizra, that's still around wow. for several years. And I was just doing my thing. And the foundation, the, the, the previous president was uh, retiring, Becky, separately. And they in, invited me to um, interview. And, you know, I wasn't even, you know, didn't even, I knew she was retiring, but I never thought of, you know such a role. And, you know, by the time I got in there and it was like, wait a minute, this is, this is really neat, you know? And uh, I remember the, my final interview was down to me and one other guy from out of town. And I was like, oh no, there's no way he's going to come and get me. This is my job. <laughs> <laughs> Went in guns blaring and, you know, I was offered the position. So I started with the foundation in 2016, February, 2016. So just a little over uh, six years now. So it's it's kind of like I never, I didn't start out wanting to be in philanthropy. It just kind of I think God just orchestrated mm -hmm. my life so that I'm I'm here. So, but I, but as I reflect, I always think about my grandmother, yeah. both grandparents, sets of grandparents, and how generous they were, and how so it's almost like they were doing their own community development. Philanthropy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's because philanthropy is giving your time, your talents, yeah. as well as you, as well as your treasures. So it's not just about having big bucks, you know, like Oprah or whatever. It's really just giving of your time, your talents and your treasures because you love your fellow man.
Yeah. You have the Guyana flag behind you. Yeah, that's uh, what that is. Do you, uh, to all of our audio listeners, you can't see it, but uh, <laughs> in behind you. So clearly it's still like a part of who you it's are today. In that background. Still, yep. Now I've lived in West Virginia longer than I've lived anywhere. Yeah, else. yeah, absolutely. Do you but still make it back, like, though? Do you still? Yeah. Yep. I, I last went back and we had a family reunion back in last time was 2018. So that was pre-COVID. So, but I've been going back to do projects at my school and, you know, oh, wow. I'm cool. part, I'm talking right now with some, some friends in New York and around the country, actually, to do like a special scholarship fund for students who are wanting to study abroad. And, you know, so it's still, it's really those formative years Absolutely. spent there. Yeah. Is, is the biggest misconception you mentioned, like, like the Oprah types and something that made me think of is the, is the biggest, is it fair to say the biggest misconception of philanthropy and philanthropic work is that it is only reserved for big dollar amounts or big impact stuff. Like, I think that some people shy away from being involved in stuff like this because they think, well, I don't have any money, but it's actually, like you said, like your time, your energy, your love, your kindness that could help the community, maybe even more so than dollars can, right? Dollars go a long way. They run the world, but is that been kind of like, do you see that kind of maybe people recognize that like on their faces when they start participating in these kind of organizations? I would hope so. Cause you know, we engage a lot over a hundred volunteers in different areas of our work where they um, give their time. And it's really to be able to give your time. That's also of great value. Right. It will help with the reviewing applications, reviewing scholarships and, and all that. So, um, yeah, I want people to understand it's it's now you don't have to be a billionaire, a multimillionaire. You can give your time, your talents and whatever you have financially, if you'd like, and make a difference in your community. Because it's it really volunteering really helped me to find my passion. So I always encourage people, mm-hmm. you know, are you thinking about, a, you know, another career maybe for you? Go try it out. Check mm-hmm. it out and see. You never know. You may really find your passion yeah maybe you can uh we kind of teased it and talked about it early on about the the projects in charleston like the clay center and the library more recently the library kind of what was your all's role in the development of that and it's got to be pretty inspiring to see that the library has now caught national attention because it's a piece of art it's pretty cool It's, it's pretty cool yeah we have always been a supporter um of the library project, the original project we had committed to supporting. And then, you know, the plans, you know, they they weren't able to raise the funds the first time around. And then they came back around. And I think just our commitment, we committed a million dollars, kind of, you know, distributed over several years. And we were one of the early people to sign on. And that really helped them to to raise additional funds because it helped to, you know, give credibility and really encourage others to give. So now when we see the work of art, like you said, it it is so beautiful and so exciting. And it's it's like, I find myself getting, telling people from out of town about a library and they're probably like, it's just a library, Michelle, (laughs) but it's just so cool. So we've had meetings there and we'll continue to, uh, I'm a part of Charleston Rotary. We're going to start having, hopefully we haven't finally decided but I think we're we're very close to, to making sure that the library will be our our weekly meeting space because oh, cool. we have so many different spaces in there and podcast areas and a tool library that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah. a cafe because people are like, can you eat in the library? Yes, you can eat in the cafe. <laughs> a true cafe. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, all these, you know, all the, the brightly lit spaces. It's a it's a very attractive piece. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I think we, it's we, Sorry, go ahead. No, I just said we, we were just um, happy to be a part of mobilizing other donors to really step up and give. And the community has really responded in a, in a magnificent way. Well, I, I think that perception that you were kind of saying, like people were out of town or like, oh, the library, like how cool could, if that's the coolest thing in your town, then you might be missing something. But it really is. It is one of the coolest parts of Charleston. But it is such a, 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 a monumental piece in the community because it gives access to people to education, the internet, that for a group of people that may or may not have access to education, to reading the internet. And so on top of just like giving, I, I don't know, it gives everybody in the community a chance to better themselves in a way. It gives access, it increases access for all. So it's, it's really a meeting place for everyone. Yeah. So it's 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 a the heart of the community where they can learn, they can apply for jobs. Yeah. Can, like you said, use the internet for research. I remember my early days in um, in nonprofit world. I used to go to the library to learn about grants and operating a nonprofit and all that. So um, yeah. Well, I think one of the other cool things is that it, it the library now just has something for everybody. Maybe it didn't before, but it just gives everybody something to do, right? And that's mm -hmm. just unlike many other libraries. I think it was on like CBS Mornings CBS or something morning, like that. Yeah. yeah, and it was just like, wow, this is uh, thankfully it's getting recogni recognition from the national level because it should. And it's should absolutely. Yeah. So I just thought that's uh the library has just become a, a core piece of what Charleston is. And I think people may have laughed at it early on, but I think people have recognized now like, oh, wow, this this thing is way better than anybody Absolutely. could have even imagined. Yeah, People so. of all ages can access it. So. Yeah. Of all ages, like how do we get young people to be involved in this type of stuff, Michelle? Like have you seen any like comment or when you're all you're all working to try to pass this on to the next generation what are some of the things that west virginia always talks about like how do we attract young people how do we get people to actually move to west virginia and then you know if we get them to move here then also participate in these community events that's like the a win-win but in your opinion you know is it housing is it affordable places to rent like what are the things that the state still has work to do to get those young people to, to make this their home i think it's kind of like all of the above a young, younger person, a younger leader once told me a few years ago that they liked being in West Virginia because it's small enough where you can make an impact mm -hmm. and where you can feel valued. So I think if we have young people, we want to we wanna make sure that we include them, that we uh, give them opportunities to make an impact, to use their skills to help others. It, it seems like the, the newer, the younger generation folks really want to make impact. So I think given having the affordable housing, having lots of great employment opportunities and the opportunity to make an impact and to give back and to help they, their fellow man, I think is, is, is what a lot of, I've been told, <laughs> not a, <laughs> I'm getting up there, but um, <laughs> I've been told that uh, that is what really helps to connect um, young, younger, younger generation to a community. 
Yeah. Well, I think you're spot on. I think, I mean, I would agree with that and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll say that I'm in the younger crowd, right? Actually, I, I leave my mid twenties and I, I head into my late twenties this week. Actually, I'll be 20. Oh my gosh. You're I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I have, a, I have a gray hair in my beard, so I'm, I'm getting there, but, but I would agree that what your, your sentiment of West Virginia, it does. I mean, it, it's, it's big enough to where you can grow a business. You can grow a multi-million dollar business, but you can also feel like, you know, everybody and people that up that live in Morgantown have best friends that live in Charleston and Beckley and over in the panhandle. So it's it's kind of that perfect size, that happy medium of like, it's it's big enough, but also small enough to where you feel like you can make that impact. But maybe just telling that story and showcasing to people, hey, if you want to do projects and you want to do community work, like there's, there's tremendous opportunity here in West Virginia to be able to do that. And people are very helpful too. So, you know, just really saying, hey, I need some help. You know, you can, you can find the help that you need. But in the bigger cities, because, you know, I, I lived in Brooklyn, my family's in got lots of family in Brooklyn. But I feel like I would, could get I would get lost in Brooklyn because there's just so much, much yeah. so many people. So it's just it's hard to me. It would be harder to make an impact. But here you feel like you can really make an impact and, and make a difference. And I felt that way when I worked for, you know, with the nonprofit. And I feel that way now. So yeah. definitely. Well, these communities are just so much, you know, smaller. Charleston, a town of 50,000 people. But when you open a place like a five street or, a, or improve yeah. Slack Street Plaza, you know, everybody appreciates it because everybody uses it. Right. Or everybody right. sees it and walks through it or, or whatever. So I can definitely understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have you you have an event coming up, the West Virginia Business Summit that you were going to be speaking at at the Greenbrier. Uh, maybe tell us a little bit about that, and you know, maybe you can even tell us a little bit about what your speech is going to be. You're you're going to be on the main stage. Give us a, a little snippet if you've even attempted to write it yet. So I don't, yeah, I'm writing it, <laughs> and I'm trying not to be nervous. <laughs> but I, I'm I'm going to be talking about fostering diversity and inclusion, okay. and really the importance of implementing those strategies that would want to keep people here as well as attract new people here, uh, given the fact that our population is shrinking. So it's like, how do we really appealing to business owners to understand that the demographics of our world is uh, are changing and, you know, embracing and being include inclusive of different kinds of people it's really what's going to help us to be competitive. So it's, you know, it's, it's um, a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Cause I really see, I really see what, how it has worked for me. Um, mm-hmm. Someone who has come from a whole nother country and um, was really, you know, welcomed and in, encouraged and included and um, leading the, the largest community foundation in the state. I think if we just give, give people who aren't um, your tip or you, you, the usual, your, your buddy and, you know, your, your your friend that you're used to giving people who may be a little different a chance can reap uh, great benefits. So that's kind of the overall theme of the, um, of the conversation. I was just honored to be invited. I, I spoke, they, they were, the chamber had a, a women's leadership summit a few months ago and, um, they were saying that, you know, whatever I, what my topic, they got a lot of positive feedback on the uh, speech I made there. So they invited me back for the big summit. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> 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 I 
it was scary, but you know, uh, I think you'll do great. Yeah. I think, I mean, because your message is true. I mean, your message is hundred percent true and it, it's authentic to your, your life experience and you right, see I'm it, exhibiting, you see it right? Yeah. Yeah. speaking from experience, yeah, speaking from experience. I mean, I think it's, I always try to like when talking about that conversation, I, I like to remind West Virginians that West Virginia itself is a state that was built by new people from different parts of the world coming to West Virginia for a better life. Polish, Irish folks working in the coal mines, like our state's history has been built by people that are not native to this exact land, but came here. We're, that we're not exactly embraced always, right? I mean, um, early on in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, but we have to remind ourselves that we are a nation and a state of, of immigrants and that we should embrace that because we're all trying to come here and better, better our lives. And I think I think that's a little bit lost on if because if you've been your family's been here for a few generations, you, you start you kind of forget about that history that well one just two generations ago, like my grandmother was from Poland. I mean, like that's one generation back is not a native West Virginian, but came here and then now I completely feel like, well, I'm just a native West Virginian. But if I think about my history in terms of that, like, well, wait a second, like we in the grand scheme of things, we just got here as a people, right? So I think that's I always try to, I don't know, I try to remind people of that element when when speaking about that. Right. And someone who is in, in, in an immigrant, it's like, yeah, this is real. So, you know, how can we be more accepting? And, you know, even in, in the in the legislature, how, how do we make sure that the, the laws that we're passing mm-hmm. are really being inclusive and not running people off? Because we don't need to run anyone else off. Right. Right? We need, we need here. to be yeah. attracting more people in yeah. and keeping the ones we have here. So how do we make sure that everything that we're all in that we're all singing from the same songbooks. Like, hey, we want to be, um, we want to be inclusive. We want to be, we want to make sure that we are appealing to everyone because we need people to, you know, to 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 grow our state. Because now now we're getting these big companies bringing thousands of jobs, and what we need folks who are going to be in those in those jobs. So how do we make sure that we are thoughtful about? legislation and mm-hmm. every action that we take to um to 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 make sure that we're keeping and attracting people are there things that are going on in the state it can be you can take this order whatever direction you want to but are there things good or bad that are going on that really just get you fired up for positive or negative reasons or are there things that kind of get you excited or maybe make you take a step back because of something going on or do you just not really see things like that? I think one one uh, subject matter that I'm really passionate about is is voting. So I'm I really as someone who's a naturalized citizen because when you you know when you first come as an immigrant you have to wait and apply for naturalization and you and you can vote after that. So ever since my family ever since we met we went through that period where we could start it where we were able to become naturalized citizens and vote, we take voting very seriously. And when, when native West Virginians don't or native people from, you know, Americans don't, that really bothers me. I'm like, yeah. I don't want, you can't complain if you don't vote. Don't, don't complain about any policy, any, you know, don't complain about any law that someone you vote, you know, puts into place if you never voted, you know, so that, that is really one topic that I'm 
very, very passionate about and really working to make sure that folks are registered to vote and then on election day that they vote. So that is one. I'm not telling anyone who to vote for or what to vote for, but be a part of the process yeah, or right. don't complain. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to hear it if you're not going to, you know. Absolutely. Right. I think it, it does get lost on people that, you know, it goes from a, a right to an obligation or just, a, you know, something that somebody doesn't want to be a part of just for, it's almost That's a the craziest thing to me. Yeah. It's, it's an hour out of their day that they have to go do something that they not even an hour. Cause you can get in. <laughs> Cause I love early voting where you just get in during the week, like on your lunch break and Absolutely. in and out, get mm -hmm. it, get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking a little bit about, politics i mean and well first of all you you've been honored by so many organizations and groups we would need michelle we would need a part two to kind of go through <laughs> the, the amount of awards and recognition you have all well deserved because of the tremendous community work you've done but one of them that stuck out to me was was the fatherhood champion of change recognition from president barack obama and i believe it was at the white house in 2012 so maybe just what exactly was that and what was that experience like for you to, to go up to the white house Yes, we uh, at Kisra we uh, operated a responsible fatherhood program. We were a network of programs around the country, and it's really about um, targeting non-custodial fathers okay. and helping them to um, be better dads and be become involved in their ch their children's lives. And um, workforce development was a big part of that. So I was, you know, recommended as and honored as a, a champion of change for that work. So it was really neat going up myself and our um, chief operating officer at the time, Carl Chadban, and then the chair of the board of Kisra. We went up and got to tour the White House, and you know, there was a a panel discussion, and it was it was really about well, big highlight of 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 my career. Sure. So. Yeah. Did you yeah. did you meet the president? Was he did he? Yeah, I did not. He they never promised him, but uh, and I kept thinking he's just gonna show up. <laughs> <laughs> I kept looking, but he sent me a nice letter and I and an autograph photo that oh, I still wow. have in my office today at 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 the at at work. So yeah, yeah. yep. But it was, well, it was just an honor to to be recognized and to um, have that experience for the great work that we. We, we were doing with fathers at Kisra. So, yeah. Do you have brothers and sisters? Like, are there, do you have family members that live in West Virginia, New York, or, or anywhere in, in New York? Yeah. In New York. I have one brother and one sister. My parents are still with us. Oh. They, were, they were just here um, in Brooklyn. They live in Brooklyn and they were just here a couple weeks ago for, for a week with a couple of my aunts and uncles. We're very, very close knit family. I don't have any kids of my own, um, but I do have two nephews and a niece mm -hmm. that I get to spoil and then leave or it's just send. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> best I, of both worlds. I, I know. My older nephew, Winston, he's going to college. He's going to college in three days. Oh. So it's really, right. really exciting. He just got his in, – in New York, the kids don't necessarily run out to get a driver's license, but he was very – very persistent about getting his license and he gets got his license yesterday and he's all you know geared up to go to to uh, university of buffalo upstate new york yeah, so, very cool. um, re really excited for him and you know auntie just has been i've saved up some and given him a 
saved up in the Smart 529 plan. I was able to give him a nice gift to get him started. And it's, that's just a blessing. So, yeah, we've got a, a large family, most of them in New York. Still have a few uh, family members in Guyana. And, um, yeah. I, I asked ask because I, I want to know, like, do they – one, do they enjoy coming to West Virginia? Cause oh, they do. Of, yeah, so it's it's probably a bit of an adventure for them, right? It is. When the boys were younger, I would bring them up, and I was working for Kisra. I would bring them up for a couple of weeks in the summer, and they would go to the summer program and have fun with the kids. Then we would, you know, take them back home. Uh, but I remember once uh, when they came, Jordan was like, Auntie, you've got so many trees here. <laughs> you of of have you all thought of a national park? I was like, oh yeah, we've got. Some <laughs> and then another time, it was like it's so quiet because you know in Brooklyn, you know, <laughs> yeah, oh gosh, it is so quiet when they first arrived. It is so quiet here. It's like yeah. By the time it was time for my sister to pick him up, it is too quiet. I was telling her it's, <laughs> like, yeah, it's too quiet. That's funny. That is funny. You now they're hear. teenagers, and they're. Yeah. One's going to college this year. The other one's going to go to college next year. So, um, yeah, but it's coming here. It's, just, it's a vacation just to be away from the noise and the and the hustle and bustle of the big city. So, yeah, yeah. you don't always get to hear the crickets when you're living in Brooklyn. Do I, you? Know, right? yeah. <laughs> I know, right? They were, it was just so funny. So many trees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> funny. Um, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask, like, Michelle, when you're, do you have free time with all the different things you do? Like, what are some of the things that you like to bop around West Virginia? Do you, do you like to visit the parks? I, I did read that you're an amateur candle maker. I don't know if that's, I if love that's making still candles. I love uh, soul line dancing. Okay. Um, Wait, what is soul line dancing? I don't, I don't, don't line dancing with, with, with soul. soul. <laughs> all right, yeah. I'm, that's the best way to put it. That's the best. <laughs> that's... And actually, right now at Slack Plaza, uh, I think it's the second and fourth Thursday, there's, there's line dancing there. Mm -hmm. um, I love going to concerts at the Clay Center, you know, the different productions. And the, I did the um, Walked Under the Bridge in Fayette County. Kind of crossed you? over underneath. Was the... that terrifying or was that exhilarating? Terrifying. Because <laughs> we, we did a, a, a staff retreat and they had the great idea. I'm like, sure, sure. Yeah, whatever. We were strapped in and I, I had, oh, what the, <laughs> guys, he was my god. I was like, I had my, like, my hand on his shoulder the whole time. <laughs> Scary, but glad we did it. Yeah. It's a high, you're high up there, yeah. yeah. Well, how about the candle making? How does that work you know how how do you even how do you, how do you get wax to turn into a, a good smelling candle? Oh my gosh, it, it's it's like cooking. Oh, so okay. you, you know that they're, they're now they I use a soy blend wax. It's really before they were just like slabs of the paraffin wax. You were like kind of this big slab you cut down and you hit. There's a, a pot that you cook it in on a burner. But now uh, the wax that I use is a, a soy blend wax. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like just granular and. You cook it up, melt it up, and add color and fragrance. And you know, I do mostly jarred candles for special occasions now. But back in the day, I would I would be at all the festivals and everything with my candles. So, yeah, it's funny. That's so, very cool. It's very cool. Yeah, so, buy order only. So we'll put in an order maybe for a premium <laughs> candle from you. <me. laughs> um, also, a pickleball. You're a big pickleball enthusiast too. I started pickleball. Oh, it's been probably about a month now. It's really cool. 
It's fun. What I like, it's like, it's very accessible for people of all ages. Absolutely. And um, so hope I'm hoping to be able to play when I go to the clay center. Uh, yeah. I go to the Greenbrier. Greenbrier. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Gail well, Carter is my, is my coach. So she's yeah. me out. We have a relationship with Gail and, and Bill Carter. Yeah. Bill Bill's a friend of the pod, and he's actually a sponsor of uh, <laughs> the podcast with nice. Mountaineer Employment Solutions. But uh, any pickleball tips? Because it does make you feel like you're a professional tennis player. So that is, like, I, I think know. the biggest. Pro. I just have to stay out of the kitchen. Just make <laughs> yeah. sure. Stay out of the kitchen. That's, that's, the that's kitchen. good advice. Stay out of the kitchen. But it, it's because it, it, the first time I went out, it was really. I picked it up and, you know, you got just trying to remember the rules and, you know, so it's yeah. been, I like it. So I, I, I got to get into like a regular routine. I think we're going to play again on Monday and hopefully I'll be able to get a few games in at, at the Greenbrier. So, yeah. Good deal. Well, Dr. Foster, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you all. For jumping on with us this morning and talking about everything from your past, present, future. <laughs> Candles, pick a ball. touching everything. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were all over the place today, but you have uh, lived a well-rounded life with many interesting angles that we wanted to touch on. So thank you for uh, exploring all of those little uh, different tales and adventures that you've been on through your life. So thank you for jumping thank on with so us. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank absolutely. You. If there's ever anything we can do, please let us know. And uh, yeah, we'll stay in touch. <laughs>